uh, pre-COVID, that was over three years ago, um, we started doing something on Wednesday nights every fourth Wednesday or the last Wednesday of the month or so, I would, uh, I would do something on leadership training. How many know if you are a believer, you're called to be a leader? That didn't go over very well. I got, I got one guy over here. He's, he's my cheerleading section. Let me say that again. If you're a believer, you're called to be a leader. Leadership, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, um, uh, uh, J. Oswald Sanders. He's got a book entitled Spiritual Leadership. And he made this comment at the first of the book. And this book's copyright early 1960s. And I read it, try to read it at least once a year or so. He said, he said leadership is influence. That's it. That's it. So in that sense, you are called to influence people around you for Jesus. Yes or no? You influence your children. You influence your neighbors. They're watching you. They're watching how you keep your yard. They're watching what you do with yourself. They're watching how you treat your spouse. They're watching what, what comes in and out. You're a, you're a leader. You're an influence. It, yes or no? You're an influence at work. You're an influence at school if you go to school. So, you know, like it or not, God placed you in a position of being a leader. And I like what Bo says. Uh, he's a servant leader. Don't you like that? So, so we're servants. You get to, some people get to big head. Well, I'm a leader. Well, you know what? That just means you're supposed to do more work than anybody else. That's the way it works, right? So anyway, I want you to get the idea. So anyway, uh, I'm getting back to once a month. I'm going to do something on the, uh, on the subject of being a leader or an influencer of others. Is that good? So tonight, I'm going to start that back. And so, uh, because I finished my, finally finished that long series I was on. So tonight, the title of this is Be an Owner, Not Just a Member or a Tender of Victory Church. See how big that, well, look at that. Didn't that go over big? An owner. You know, if you're an attender and not an owner, or if you're a member, like you're a member of the club, various clubs, shopping clubs we have and all that, you got your little card, you come in the door, you got to show your card, you know, you check out, show your card. That card means you get X discount for whatever you're doing. That means you got some privileges for being a member. I'm a member. But you know what? If you're an owner, that means you are the one responsible to make it happen. It's not just about what you get. It's what you put on the table and put on the plate. Is that true? And God doesn't want anybody in any local church, if you're watching online and you attend another local church, God wants your light to shine in your local church, and he wants you to be an owner, not just a member. That means you put something on the table. You help that ministry be what it's called to be in that community. Yes or no? So let's talk about that a little bit today. Let me also say uh, post-COVID and then even beyond that now, it dates you when you say you lived before the internet and before cell phones. And, you know, my first mobile phone was a big box that I put in my truck and, uh, or in my uh, van at the time. So anyway, uh, but pre-online pre everything, we had to be together to talk. Or, or you, you know, you had the phone lines. And when I was a little boy, we had party lines. That means you pick up the phone and somebody else is listening to your conversation with your friend. And it's like, how much you want to hear, friend? Shut up and shut the phone up. Turn, I mean, put, put the receiver down, please. You know. But today it's all different. And now online is taking the place of in person. And now instead of having a conversation, we text or we email. Is that true? 
in a lot of ways, and it's very impersonal. You, you, don't, you don't get a lot from a text unless you put the emotion in it, unless you put the care and kindness. A lot of people don't know how to text, for instance. They just give you a few dry lines. It's like, I hope they like me. Why'd they say it like that, right? So we're missing something when we don't get together. So uh, anyway, post-COVID particularly, COVID put everybody at home. I preached uh, to empty chairs for two and a half months, and I'll never do it again. I will invite you to come. We had a few people come. But um, uh, since then, it seems as though the local church to some degree has taken a second place in meaning people's lives. The local church ought to be at the forefront of our spiritual life. I got six amens. How about the rest of you? Um, the, the local church should be at the forefront. So let me remind you of what you already know, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let me read that again. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. What does that say? That means my influence towards you should stir you up. I should make your life better by being around you. And likewise, you should make me better by being around me. Iron sharpens iron, right? Then he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, uh, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I, I, I just read out of that verse. I mean, we ought to be getting together not less but more. But we, we, we got it backwards. I won't tell you what, what my dad would say, but uh, we, we got it backwards. Anyway, you, you get the idea. So, so let me say this. So I want to talk a little bit about the local church. How many know the local church is a breeding ground for spiritual growth? If you rarely hang out at a local church, you're not growing spiritually. If, if you get the, the, the uh, majority of your spiritual information online from somebody that's teaching you on a, on a YouTube video or something online or a podcast, you're not growing the way you should. I listen to all that too, but you know, I've always had a pastor and I've always had a local church. This is an incubation center for spiritual activity. A local church is. How many hear what I said? It's a breeding ground for spiritual growth. So let me ask you a few questions. Are you making the most of your life with God? Are you giving it your best? Uh, now, even before I came to the Lord, I had a work ethic that came from my father, and he worked so hard. He worked a regular job and then come home and worked from the time he got home until um, it was... Uh, way past dark, I'll just say it that way, on various projects and activities throughout the year that he had going on. So I had a, have a work ethic that came from him, so I've always worked hard. When I came to the Lord, I, I, it really interested me that the Bible says a lot about giving your best at anything you're doing. So uh, Ecclesiastes, I'm sure one of these verses or many such. Ecclesiastes 9.10, for instance, became a favorite of mine. When I first came to the Lord, it says, whatever you hand, and I don't think this is in the notes. Yeah, uh, it's Ecclesiastes 19. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your, what? Might. Might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. What's that saying? You got one chance to make a print. You got one chance to do it right. You got one chance to be the influence that God wants you to be. And one day your tail's gonna be in eternity. So the question I have is, am I giving it the best shot? Now today, you know, people, they'll go to the gym three times a week. They're going to get buff. They're going to get in shape. I ride bikes on the Noosa River Trail. I take walks in my neighborhood. People are exercising. They're doing stuff. And man, they're after it because they want to get, they want that body to be mean and buff, right? So that means they're being diligent. They're giving it their best shot, right? 
Or, or you've gone to school, you've got a certain expertise, and you're really good at the trade that you're called to and the, the job that you do. And I think that's a great thing. Question, are we, given the same, are we given the same force to our spiritual life that we do the other things? Are we as being as diligent with God as we are other things in life? Let me tell you why, why that just may be important. You only got, if you do it right, treat, treat your body right, get to rest, exercise, eat right. Maybe you can live to be 80. Maybe you can live to be 90. My mama's 89 in my house and she's kicking hard. But you just got a few years here in the light of eternity. Are you kidding me? Do, do we realize that what we do now determines our placement in eternity? And the Old Testament prophet said the degree of the glory of God that, that shines through us in eternity is determined by our obedience now. So, so, so would it behoove us to give it our best shot, right? And to put the flesh under and say no to spiritual laziness and lethargy. I would submit, yes, it would make a lot of difference. So in uh, that, that's the context. Y'all Okay. So the church is important to Jesus. How many think so? So I'm going to read some things you know, but this is Matthew 16. This is the basis of the foundation for us understanding the local church and its importance in the kingdom of God. Luke, Matthew 16, 13. This is New King James. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am, that, that I the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, okay? Uh, you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So he's a play on words. He said, Peter means rock. And he said, Peter, a big boulder just came out your mouth. And it was, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the thing that came out of his mouth was, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When you confess Jesus, immediately you come into the church. You become a part of the family of God. Now, now, you know, some denominations such as the Catholics say, well, you know, the Pope came from Peter because the church is based on Peter. That's not what Jesus was saying at all. Jesus was, was giving credence to the church and the fact that the church was going to come into vogue and that, and that that confession of Jesus' lordship would bring you in to this big body of believers called the church, right? So, so the local church is a miniature, a miniature example uh, of the universal church of which we all belong. And Ephesians 3, 14, Paul's praying for believers. He says, for this reason, I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I love this, verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So when God, God doesn't see the church as an institution, he sees it as a family. And obviously the church is not this, uh, whatever this building's made out of, this physical edifice. No, the church is you. Uh, we can meet in a cow pasture. I've met under oak trees. I've met in barns. I've met in, you know, in fields in other countries and nations. And so, you know, the place we meet is, is not the important part, but who meets in it is, is the important thing. So we're part of a big family. How many know you're part of a big family? It's really difficult. If you say you're a part of the church of the Lord Jesus, you're not a part of a local church and involved in that, it's really got hard to get the concept 
of what God wants to do uh, in your life and in your life through the local church. How many hear me? So the local church is a microcosm of the universal church. We all should be a committed part of a local church. So God's plan, my notes say, is that every believer not just attend, but be actively involved in the ministry of a local church. I think that was so good. I'm going to read it again. God's plan is that every believer not just attend. Everybody say, not just attend but be actively involved in the ministry of a local church, right? So, so again, this is where spiritual life is nurtured and uh, fostered. Ephesians 4, now let me read this. The Apostle Paul, just a great, Ephesians 4 is a great chapter because it talks about so many things. Um, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 Paul talks about our position and seating before God in Christ. We're above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, above every name that's named in this world and the world to come. And he's seated with us with Jesus in heavenly places, right? And then, and then Ephesians chapter 4, you know, therefore, he says. And then he starts talking practically about the body of Christ and about renewing our minds and, and about watching what we say and about forgiving others and about walking in purity and holiness and about how we treat our marriage, our, our marriage part, our spouse, our husband or our wife, our children, yada, yada, yada. So uh, before he gets to the practical, he, he challenges the spiritual and talks about that. But here he is in Ephesians 4, 7. He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. How many know God has given you a measure of grace? For what he wants you to do, God has given you a specific measure of grace. So he says, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, speaking of Jesus, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended above all the heavens that he might fill or literally reads fulfill all things and he himself the lord jesus gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers and we call that uh the ministry offices and years and years ago they call it the five-fold ministry offices and and just like the fingers on a hand, you got five fingers. Well, you got five ministry offices literally set in the church by the Lord Jesus that he's, he designates the ones that are to be sit, set in per certain positions and those positions are set to aid the body of Christ and to foment ministry worldwide. So he says uh, he gave some again to uh, be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, and then he tells you why in verse 12. We've got several translations and we'll read this from later. Um, there's two verses here. I'm going to read the whole thing of those two verses I'll come back to from other translations. And why did he place them in the family of God? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. In the King James Version, when I first started reading the Bible in 1976 in earnest, uh, the King James Version puts a comma where it's no longer in the New King James and other translations bear the same. The, New, the King James Version would say, for the equipping of, why did God put the ministry offices there? For the equipping of the saints, comma. For the work of the ministry, comma. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I was raised in a church that the pastor did everything. Y'all been raised in a church like that? I mean, he's supposed, to, he's supposed to go visit everybody at home that can't come to church. He's supposed to go to the hospital and visit everybody. He's supposed to cut the grass at church when it gets too cold, trim the hedges. Uh, he's supposed to clean the church, make sure it's tidy, uh, get, get the communion ready if you're going to have a communion. Then he's got to take time to prepare his message and sermon. Then he's got to be, be winsome enough to smile at everybody when they come in their door and shake everybody's hand. 
an idea is a pastor do it, pastor do it, pastor do it. Now that's old school thinking. And if you got old school thinking in your head, you need to kick that right out of you. I love the, the and finally they got it right. The New King James, which takes the these, thou's, thus's, and such out. They also took that comma out. Why did he put the ministry offices in the church? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Is it just the pastor? No, the pastor's the equipping person. Who's supposed to be out doing this stuff? Correct answer. We are. All of us are. For the equipping of the saints, for the working work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How long till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God? I think that's gonna that means that means until Jesus comes back, we're gonna be doing that. Because 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 we're not gonna be in unity and full knowledge of the Son of God until then, right? Then he says, to a perfect or mature man or person, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Some people use the word of God to their advantage, to grow a ministry and to make themselves look real big, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the reason for the local church and it's not the reason for ministry. Ministry should make Jesus look big, right? And then he goes on to say, um, tossed about, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but verse 15, speaking the truth in love. A lot of people speak the truth. They just forgot to put the butter of love on it, right? Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body, watch this, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every joint supplies includes you. You're a joint in the family of God. That means there is a supply that comes from you, right? Uh, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Everybody say, does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want to play on two uh, verses there, verse 12 and verse 16. Better uh, Bible in basic English says this. Uh, why did Jesus place the ministry offices in the body of Christ? For the train, Bible in basic English, for the training of the saints as servants in the church. I like that. Uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, and then verse 16, Bible in basic English, it says, through whom all the body being rightly formed and united together uh, by the full working, uh, working of every part. See, we grow in every part when every person or every part of the body does their part, right? It, it is increased to the building up of itself in love. And then God's word translation, that is the translation. It says their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve. That's so good. And to build up the body of Christ. So why am I doing what I do? My whole goal is that you be spiritually edified, build up, understand who you are in Jesus to the point that you can go mentor someone else. And then you just, you just take what Jesus gives you and put it into somebody else's life, right? And then verse 16, the latter part of that God's word translation says, as each and every part does its job, he makes the body grow so, so that it builds itself up in love. So that means every person has a part to play in the family of God being what it needs to be in a local church that affects the world. Yes or no? And then New Living Translation says, uh, similar, it says their responsibility, that is the ministry office's responsibility, is to equip God's people to do his work. See, what is my responsibility? 
to equip God's people to do his work and build up the body of Christ, the church. And then the latter part, verse 16, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow. Did you know taking your place in the body, not being inert, not just coming and listening, but being actively involved actually helps somebody else grow? You ever thought about it like that? And if I don't do my part, then I hinder the growth of other people in the family of God. You ever thought about it that way? It's really something, isn't it? So, so that's why I say the title of this is be an owner, not just an, a member or an attender. You get it? So here's some questions that, based on everything I just said. What are you supplying for others with the gifts that God has placed within you? Huh? Think about it. What, what are you doing to help other people? What is it that God has... I mean, Jesus said he gave gifts unto men, not just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, but Jesus placed a gift in you. When you came to him, the Holy Spirit deposited himself within you, and you have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faith, meekness, self-control. But you also have a particular knack, a particular gift, a particular bend to do a certain thing well. Yes or no? How do you know what that is? Uh, generally speaking, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll place inside of you. He'll place a yearning to do something in you. And, and if you yield to that, see, you'll be supplying the part that you should in the family of God. You'll grow and other people will be affected by your growth, right? So again, what are you supplying for others with the gifts that God has placed within you secondly what part do you play here at victory if you if this is your local church what part do you play are you doing anything or are you just coming to service my encouragement tonight is not just come and and and, and be in a seat we appreciate you coming to services but do more than that if that's all you do your growth will be limited Now, I'm hesitating because I'm going to tell you, because that affects your eternity. Oh, we're going, you know, Jesus, you're going to heaven. And this is a whole other message, a series. But what you do in eternity, you're not going to be playing a harp, drinking sweet tea, swinging around on a hammock. You don't know what you're going to be doing. Did you know in the millennial reign of Christ, you're going to be busy? Do you know you're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years? Did you know that? Somebody in here might be mayor of Raleigh. <laughs> God might have you oversee a whole region because you have a spirit body. There's going to be natural people in natural bodies here during the thousand year reign of Jesus when he comes back. But you're going to have a spiritual body and you can travel at the speed of thought. And Jesus may, may, may come up to you and say, I want you to go over to this part of the world and I want you to oversee this project that I just started over there because we got to clean that up from the time that the Antichrist was here. So here's what we want you to do. And you'll say, okay, and you're over there. Speed of, speed of thought, right? I know I make all these sound stuff, whatever. You get what I'm saying? But, but, but what you do in eternity is based on obedience now. We don't think about that. See, we appear as we are before the judgment seat of Christ that we can get awards for what we do in our bodies post-salvation, whether good or bad. Salvation is not in view. You're saved, you're going to heaven. But what you do there and the extent that God uses you to the degree that you exude the glory of God is determined by obedience now. So we got one chance to do it. 
So see, I have to ask myself, am, am, I, doing, am I doing as much as I can? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to do it with my might. Ecclesiastes, right? Right? Um, what are you doing? Here's another question. What are you doing to help us in ministering uh, to people and reaching out to our community? Are, are you, what are you doing to help us? I know these are kind of redundant, but that's the idea. And then the last thing I've asked this before, what are you called to do? How do you know what you're called to do? Well, I just mentioned that follow the desires of your heart. I've always wanted to help people, and, and here I am helping people. You know, It's just been part of me ever since I knew Jesus. But uh, uh, we also have some natural things that can help spiritual our, uh, victory pathway classes. That second class, we have a spiritual gifts test. We also have a personality test. That spiritual gift test, if you listen to it and do it right, it will show you the yearnings of your heart. Every time I've done that, it's shown me to be a pastor, a nurturer, a teacher. See? And, and, and so whatever your knack is, that, that test will... So, so I encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, go back. Maybe you've done it, but you need to go do it again. Go take Victory Pathway number two. Take the first one, sure. I teach that one, but Mira does a great job on the second one. And, uh, and her team, so I encourage you to do that. The idea here is don't just coast, but be involved in the area of your gifting. How many hear me? All right, so um, Matthew twenty two fourteen. many are called, few are chosen. Jesus is really pointedly talking to the religious people of his day because they were just putting the onus on everybody else and not doing it themselves. And he said, for many are called, few are chosen. Now, here's the sad reality. Uh, only one-third, this is statistics across the board. I don't care if the church is 50 members, 500 members, 5,000 members, 50,000 members, okay? Across the board, every church has the same issue. Only one-third of the attenders of any local church are actively involved in ministry. Now, that's a sad indictment in America. How many hear me? That means two-thirds are just coming and sitting. And maybe giving, thank God you give. But got to do more than just sit, right? So see, our goal, we got a good staff team, Mira and I and the staff team. Our goal is to get everybody busy doing something. And Mira keeps saying that she wants to up the ante here whether, where it's two-thirds helping and one-third not. Hadn't you said that recently? Oh, she says 100. Well, come on, get it, sister. 100% involvement. I'm game with that. And the idea is you always got new people coming in the door. That's the issue. But nonetheless, so what, what, what percentage are you part of? Are you part of the one-third? I mean, you're actively helping us. And let me say we have a good volunteer force here. Um, a victory serve team. We got some wonderful people and they give their heart regularly and I deeply. We could not do what we do without the faithful people at, at, on our victory serve team. How about give them a hand while I'm talking? I mean, they're, they're amazing people. In fact, um, if you're on the victory serve team, just stand up where you're at right at your seat. Just stand up. You, you, you serve doing something. I don't care what it is. Stand up. Look at these, one, look at these people. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You have a seat. Thank you. My encouragement is be a part of that team. So again, when you're born again, God is, God's plan is that we grow, find our place in the body of Christ. Here's how you find your place. And I'm gonna have, this is gonna have to be part two. I've got so much to say. That's what usually happens. My notes grow. Um, the number one way, and I found this out not long after I came to Jesus, was the number one way that you find your place 
in the body of Christ is through this word called faithfulness. God wants to see if he can count on you when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient, when you'd rather do something else or you just don't feel like it, can God count on you, right? That's a big deal, isn't it? I'm in church today, I can tell you, because my parents, regardless of the circumstance, as a little boy, forced my hand, if I'm living under their roof, I'm going to church. And that was the bottom, and that, you know, that taught me a big lesson. I mean, you've heard, some of you have heard me say this. My relatives, my grandmother would come on Sunday mornings. She's on the way to the beach because where she worked allowed them a place at the beach once a year. My, my uncles would come and aunts would come, my cousins. I mean, I want to play with my cousins. And they come just before we're about to leave for church and over and over and over and over again. My daddy said, well, y'all welcome to sit right here. We got some food in the refrigerator. We got some Sweet tea right here and just cookies over here. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to church. We'll be back. Now, you know, first thing I thought was, Daddy, you're leaving, my, you're leaving them at home. Grandma, it's Grandma for crying out loud. But you know what it taught me? There's something more important. I'm, I'm, I'm getting high on weed. And did you know I'm still going to a church? Now, I'm a hypocrite, biggest hypocrite in the room. But the reason was somebody presented a standard. You get what I'm saying? Now, faithfulness will present a standard to your life. And my parents proved to, faith, proved to be faithful to the Lord. My dad was a deacon in a Baptist church. My mother was a Sunday school teacher, but they taught me the value of faithfulness in small things. How many hear me? So faithfulness is the way you find your place. Romans 1.1, 1, 1, uh, Paul said this, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, uh, and, and a bondservant uh, in, in that era of time was a person who was a slave to someone, not because they had to be. They actually got their freedom papers, perhaps, but they so endeared themselves to that family they served, they wanted to serve freely, and they called themselves bondservants. <laughs> See, Paul got set free, but he wanted, he wanted to serve Jesus with his heart. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, Called to be an apostle. Everybody say called to be an apostle. Separated to the gospel of God. So, 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 so there's a difference between being called by God to do something and then being separated to the call. Called means the gift's there. Separated to it means you've done the homework necessary and done the footwork necessary for God to say, okay, let's open up the path unless you get started on what I placed inside of you when you came to my son Jesus. How many hear what I'm saying? So there's a difference between the calling and the separation to the call. Many are called, few are chosen. A lot of people are called. Paul was called to be a, uh, you know, the, uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. But you know, it took him 17 years to enter into that call. You know, February of 1977, two o'clock in the afternoon, at the end of a gondola or a big, one of the big aisles in a grocery store, God called me to preach because I was going to be electronics engineer. And I was in school for that. And God specifically called me that day, second Tuesday of February, 1977. Now, you know, I never entered into my full call until this month, October of 1994. It's 29 years ago. 
And it took me 17 years. And I did all kinds of things. I worked in local churches. I volunteered to do this or that. Got on the staff at a local church. I had a hospital ministry. I taught classes. I taught Sunday school classes. I cleaned floors. I was a janitor. I did all kinds of things. How many hear me? So, again... What shows the difference between the call? The call for you, you may not be called to ministry, but God's called you to do something in the body of Christ to help somebody else. How do you find out what that is? Did you know God's not going to put it on a little yellow sticky and stick it on your nightstand and say, oh, here's what I called you to do. You know what he's going to do? You got to eke it out and figure it out yourself. Now, let me tell you how the Lord is. Often he will say nothing until you start making a step. Did you hear what I said? You start moving. If you're inert doing nothing, he'll say nothing. But if you start moving, he'll start talking to you. And don't forget that Saul, who later became Paul in Acts chapter 9, Jesus with a blinding light knocked him to the ground and spoke to him. And he said, I'm the one you're persecuting. And then, and then Saul, later Paul, said, well, what you want me to do? And Jesus didn't even tell him. He waited for him to act. He said, well, get yourself off the ground and then go into the city. And when you go into the city, I'll tell you what to do. Now, there's a principle of life. If you're, if you're wandering around in the valley of indecision, the way out of it is to start moving. You got to start doing something. For me, even though God called me to ministry, I didn't know how to get there. I knew I needed something between my ears. I needed a biblical education, so I I quit college and went to Bible college, and I've been to three, but I mean, I did that. But as far as knowing exactly, what am I going to do, God? I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea. Until several years later, I I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea, but I just knew that, that, that focal point of being faithful. See, faithfulness will, is like the steering wheel on your car. That faithfulness will steer you right into the will of God. Now, i got to stop here, uh, but let me say this. God will often not tell you how to be faithful. And usually when you start being faithful in small things, it's not even something that you're called to do. You just see a need and you feel the need. How many hear what I'm saying? Now, here... Uh, on our Victory Serve team, for instance, we don't want to put a round peg in a square hole. We want a square, a square peg in a square hole and a round peg in a round hole. So we'll give you a personality test and, you know, we'll give you a spiritual gift test. Just see what's inside of you. But you know what? Push come to shove. The idea here from the scripture is if I want to find the purposes of God, I've got to be moving. He wants to see, first of all, that I am faithful. Don't forget James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Who takes the first, who takes the first step? He's already taken a step. He's waiting on you to take one. Uh, you know, spiritual things kind of like a checker game. <laughs> if you're playing checkers, the other person, they're waiting on you. And nothing's going to happen until you move. Same way with chess. I love to play chess. <laughs> nothing's going. You make a move, they make a move. They make a move, they're waiting on you to make a move. Are you going to sit there all day? What's taking you so long, you know? And the same way is with the Lord, right? He's waiting on us to move and do something. So my encouragement for spiritual growth to be what it needs to be in all of our lives, the first thing prerequisite God is looking for is faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. It just works that. Let me say this, and I've got so many things I want to say before I close. I love all this. I want to say it all tonight. 
there are so many people that get so excited. Now listen to what I'm about to say about revival. Well, we want to move a God. Well, we want revival. And I have seen it all of my spiritual life. I lived in Tulsa for eight years. And we had uh, some, of the, some of the prime ministry worldwide in Tulsa. And then they would come from other parts of the world to Tulsa and have large meetings. Or Roberts was there. T.L. Osborne was there. Um, uh, and uh, Shambach, I don't think he was in Tulsa. I don't know where he was. But uh, Kenneth Hagan, I don't know if he was there or not. I don't remember that. He came to Tulsa to visit, but uh, Kenneth Hagan was there, and we had all these other ministers that would come, and so it was a smorgasbord of spiritual delight, you know, uh, spiritually when I was there in the 80s. But, you know, we had people that were chasing, going from meeting to meeting, from church to church, from event to event. We didn't have the Internet at the time, but there were segments of people who would never commit to a Listen, would never commit to a local church. Let me go a step further. We had thousands of people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for eight years I lived there. They had graduated from ORU. They had graduated from Kenneth Hagin School, Rama Bible College, and there were several other spiritual colleges in town. They had graduated, and guess what they did? They sat their butt right there in Tulsa after they graduated, afraid to go do something. You know what happened to me? It's like, I ain't sitting here. You'll dry up on the vine if you do nothing. I got to go. So God talked to me. So while I was in Tulsa, and then you got these people following the meetings everywhere. And you know what? Listen, here's what I knew to do. I knew that if I'm going to find the will of God for me, I've got to be faithful to do something. I've got to find a local church. Again, the local church is the incubator for spiritual life. And a person that is not faithful in a local church, but is flighting around to every meeting around and not committed to a soul church, not that you don't go to the meetings. I think they're great. I went, but I always knew where home was. You know, a bird flies all through the air, but he knows where his nest is. You know, you, you, can, you can chase a squirrel through the forest, but he knows where his nest is. And you know what? You need to know where your home church is. Huh? That's your place of spiritual incubation. That's your place of spiritual growth. How many hear me? There's a lot of people today. Listen, can I just, can I just talk a minute? There's a lot of people. Listen, they're following. They go into other cities for meetings. They go into other. I think it's great. But if you're, not, if you're doing that and you're not committed to a local church, you're, ki you're kicking your legs out from under yourself spiritually. You'll not grow. I've had people over the years, I've been here 29 years. You know how many people? We got one guy listening to, you know what he says? If you got a church of any size, you got four times the people in your community that used to go to your church than are actually in your church right now. Well, so I've seen a lot of people over the years Come and go, come and go, because that's what people do. We're a fluid society. That's fine with me. But listen, listen, I've seen people come and go, and you know what? I've seen these, these groups of people, they're little, they're little revival groupies, and they're looking for the move of God. I'm looking for the move of God, looking for the Holy Ghost. And they're missing him the whole time. Because he, number one, wants them to be faithful in a local church, and he wants them to develop their spiritual character. And developing spiritual character is hard. And what you'll find out, God wants you to do and be the same yesterday, today, and forever like Jesus is. And he wants you to do what you're called to do when you don't feel like getting up and when, and when your belly hurts and when you hurt and when you don't feel like it, when somebody, you know, called you a slur name. He just wants you to be faithful and smile and be the same just like he is yesterday, today, forever, right? And you can only do that by being faithful.
So for me, the, the, the thing that has challenged and changed my life, I have learned is being faithful, even when I don't feel like it. See, God will see that. You say, well, how do I know what God wants me to do? Well, number one, be faithful. Find something to do to help the local church that God has called you to. Plant yourself in a church. Be willing to be submitted to the leadership of that church. I got a whole, I say this next time. God's placed me places I didn't, he's placed me some places I didn't even care for the senior pastor. But he said, plant your butt right there. I want you to learn from that man. And did you know some of the biggest lessons of my life I've learned for people that I didn't like? And God wanted to see if I would be willing to be quiet. I have my thoughts, I have my opinions, but I learned to keep them to myself. Paul said, study to be quiet. I learned to keep your mouth shut. But... And then most of the time, I keep a journal, the things that I, I thought were wrong at this ministry or that ministry I've been a part of. Actually, they weren't wrong, they were right. I was just too immature to see what was going on. Did you hear me? If I hadn't have been willing to do that, I would not be here today. That's the truth. So you've got to be willing to be faithful in a local church. Are you willing? And faithful means not just coming to services, sure. But there's a step beyond that. You've got to let the gifts and the things that God placed in you come to fruition. Let them, let them, let them, let them develop. That only happens through just simply being faithful. I've got a whole lot to say. And I'll, I'll, I'll just start it. I'll start next time. Is that good? Did you get something out of this? Um, let me do, I will leave you with a couple of scriptures. I'll start with next time because uh, they're right here. Um, just listen to this. Moreover, 1 Corinthians 4 2, it's essentially required in stewards that a man be found faithful, proving himself worthy of trust. Man referring to humankind, both men and women. Proverbs 28 20, a faithful person will abound with blessings. He who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. I'll leave you with this in 1 Timothy 1.12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me, watch, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. See, if you want what God has for you, the first criterion to fill is just be faithful. It's like, it's like faithfulness is the honing device. Faithfulness is the little, the, is the trigger that the Holy Ghost is looking for. He's looking for somebody to help do this and do that, do the other. He's looking for somebody who not only has the ability but has a faithful heart. He's looking for somebody he can trust. So in the whole body of Christ, you got all these people with all these skills and abilities, but he bypasses the one that, ones that do nothing. And he looks for those that are faithful. And when he sees a person with a faithful heart that's willing to do what they don't like and what they don't feel like, do it anyway because it needs to be done. So I can use that person right there. So God often starts you out in the ministry that you're not even called to just to see if you'll do it and be faithful and not complain and whine and compromise. Woo! So I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's enabled me. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I got a lot more to say about that, but I'll stop that. Did you get something out of this? Come on, close your eyes a minute. Lord, all of us are at a certain place in our spiritual life. I personally think that probably the people that need to hear this aren't here. <laughs> but Lord, I ask you to search us and try us. 
I ask for every person in the room that you would give us an opportunity to prove ourselves faithful to you. Thank you that you are ultimately faithful. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Help that faithfulness to be a part of us. Lord, I pray for every person in the room that every one of us would find our place and fill it. Thank you for, I think there are wonderful people in this room. I think a lot, most of the people are already volunteering and, and being faithful here. But Lord, those of us that have not yet found our place and have not yet stepped up to, up to the place, move us. Lord, help us that whatever we find our hand, our hand finds to do, do it with our might. Let us apply that to our spiritual life. Let the Holy Spirit work in each person. Help us to grow. Help us to develop. Lord, help me as a pastor to be the pastor you've called me to be. Help Victory Church to fulfill its mandate in this community in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just commit the results into your hands in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got something to sing? Go ahead. Here I am. online, I encourage you to be a part of a local church. I appreciate you watching the video here. There's nothing that can take the place of being in an audience with other believers and being among them. The only way that the gifts that God places in us can really come to fruition is if we're around other people. Otherwise, we're just serving ourselves. And I, I found for me, I can never be blessed if all I'm doing is all I'm doing is serving me and taking care of me. It's when I get my eyes off me and get my eyes on others and Jesus and others. That's when, that's when spiritual life really takes off. How many hear me? So if you're watching online, wherever you are, I encourage you, uh, be a solid, strong part of the local church in your community. If you don't have one and you're in the Raleigh area, this is a great church. I think, I think we have great, I think these are some of the best people in the world right here. We got some quality. Folk. We'd love for you to be a part of that. I encourage you. I know post-COVID, some people still haven't started coming back to church and they're still slack by watching online only. If you can get out, you should get out and you should be a part of a local church. I always give space. Some people are infirmed. I get all that and thank God for now the internet. But you know, before we had it, what did we do? Right? So I just encourage you, God's going to do some amazing things in our future. Nothing wrong with watching things. Let me make sure everybody understands everything I said. Nothing wrong with watching things online, going to meetings. I attend meetings. I do stuff. I go out. But you know what? Be faithful home, at home. Because that's where your blessing is. 
And that's where you'll, you'll find the favor of God is in your life and where you'll grow. So, Lord, I just pray for all of us as we go that the Spirit of God would work deeply in us. And may every one of us find our place and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. 